y'all get ready for another edition of News and Trends with your host, Dave and Lynn. Welcome, welcome, welcome to News and Trends with Dave and Lynn. This is one of your hosts, Mr. David Coker, um, proprietor of Dave Mark Inc., marketing um, MBA specialist all-around good guy, music management, anything you want to know, I got it. And I happen to be the best partner to Mr. Leonard Young. What's going on, Mr. Leonard Young? Hey, Dave, how you doing? This is uh, Leonard Young, CEO of National Black Guy, DelawareBlack.com, Black Media Specialist, all-around good guy, the better partner to David P. (laughs) Coker, News and Trends. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, what's going as, on, sir? As long as we both know, everything's good, Dave. What about yourself? Uh, I can't complain. I can't complain, or nor I will. Though I, <laughs> I want to complain anyway, because right, it's uh, it's it's, it's you know, we just came off of uh, a great Memorial Day weekend. It's, the weather's been nice. Um, it's a beautiful day today, matter of fact. Uh, um. And I want to say uh, to the uh, people who just celebrated uh, Memorial Day, um, thank you for all that serve um, our country. And, um, of course, remembering those who have lost, uh, that we lost during our wars, and for those who have been maimed or disabled during that time as well, remembering those as well. So, um, you know, here it is, uh, Tuesday, the day after Memorial Day. I tell you, that weekend went by so fast, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I mean, Friday, Friday going into the weekend, it's like, oh, we we really going to enjoy this four days. And then we turn around and blink, and it's uh, Monday oh. night, <laughs> getting ready yeah, for Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, of course, Friday, your Friday uh, through Sunday was pretty busy uh, because, you know, you had a big event down there at your uh, your campground down there. Of course, Leonard, for those who have been hiding under a rock or living under a rock, Leonard is uh, the proprietor, him and his wife, Yolanda, are the proprietors of the GNR campground down in Houston, Delaware, yeah, just outside Houston. the door. Yeah. And there was a big event this weekend. Uh, the person who does our intro, DJ Tim Dog, got married this weekend down at the campground. And it was a, a grand event. And, uh, yeah, we saw it. It happened, folks. <laughs> <laughs> we, he is we officially was married and on his honeymoon right now. So we were there. We could definitely tell you it definitely happened. So congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Timothy Baird, um, the newlyweds are on their honeymoon now, and um, it was a great day and a great event. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I want to say, of course, congratulations to uh, DJ Tim Dog and his wife, Ronnie Baird. Um, but, you know, their decorations were on point. Like, I came in and, and you know, just the whole scenery they had, you know, was just beautiful. Yeah, they did a great job with the decorations. It was beautiful. Everything took place. Um, it was, and, and this is a new wedding trend. I'm, I do weddings myself for those 
is just Delaware Friday afternoon and Sunday or Sunday or holiday Mondays like those are the busy days like you know Saturday is never never too bad unless there's something you know special happening but if you had come down Friday afternoon I know you would have a lot of people going down there I mean I'm I'm sure because everybody's going down to the beach everybody's going to the beach and everything Uh, yeah because you know it's right outside the beach Exactly. <laughs> 
All right. So, all right. So here we go. So I guess we should go ahead and get started with tonight's show. Uh, I guess we got a few things we want to talk to you about. So let's go ahead and start with our first story. And I thought the story was very interesting uh, because it kind of it kind of dispels a, a few myths um, that you've always thought about when it comes to this type of thing. Um, but I'm going to read a little bit from the story. Um, it says, Hundred, the, it goes, Hundred, Hundreds flock to see black nuns intact body four years after burial. That's right, folks. You heard me. People went to see this nun's body four years after she was buried. They exhumed her body. And this is the, the backdrop of it. Hundreds of out-of-towners and locals flocked to the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles Monastery in rural Missouri, to view the intact remains of Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster, who was exhumed last week. Sister Lancaster died at age 95 in 2019, and when the body was exhumed, roughly four years later, it showed no signs of decay. The body was exhumed so it can be moved to its final resting place at a monastery chapel. We think she is the first African-American woman to be found in corrupt. The current at uh, a best of the community, um, Mother Cecilia said. We reported previously via CNN that the body had not been in been embalmed, and was in a wooden coffin. Wow, wasn't embalmed. I didn't know that. To a lot of people, the barely decomposed body of this black nun is nothing short of a miracle. Visitors who wanted a glimpse of the so-called miracle of Missouri were allowed to touch the body, according to the U.S. Um, News and World Report. Um. While incorruptibility is, is a cause for sainthood, this process will likely not begin right away for Lancaster as her body was dug up a year too soon to qualify. That's interesting. The Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph, can now acknowledge as much in a statement. The conditions of the remains of Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster has understandably generated widespread interest and raised important questions, the diocese said. At the time, it is important to protect the integrity of the mortal remains of Sister Wilhelmina to allow for thorough investigation. I'm going to stop right there. Um, this is interesting because, you know, I know we have all heard stories over you know our lifetimes especially those of us that are religious you know we've all been told that the body goes back to dust right right and for this person to be un you know not um she wasn't embalmed she was buried in a wooden box a coffin basically and for it to be four years later and do you did you see the picture no, I have not. Uh, Let me try to the, uh, Yeah. If you hit the thing, she looks like she's just sleeping. 
Oh, that. Did, did you pull it? Did you see it? Yeah, I, I I pulled it, but it but it's not a. But yeah, I mean, I agree. For four years, her face looks intact. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, her whole body. I mean, you can see her feet. Uh, everything is is like she just she got her hands across her 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 waist, and it doesn't look like she barely decayed at all. Well, Dave, you, a, I, I, I'm about to say, you know what they say, right? <laughs> Here we go. All right, go ahead. Black don't crack. So oh, I say they, they weren't lying. <laughs> they, they weren't lying. I guess it don't decay. Look, I guess it don't decay either, huh? Right. <laughs> but um, but but what's so crazy is I that they keep facts and everything because he said this is the believed to be the first black woman. <laughs> to be now, so that, does that mean they've done this? Well, I guess they had to because they talked about sainthood here, you know, and that it, you know, they said that her body was. Oh, I just thought about something too. Why would they do that to the sister, man? Why would they dig her up too early for her to be sainthood? Right. Yeah, that's messed up. I'm I'm mad there. <laughs> you know, if that. We, I'm not gonna say it, but we know, we know, we know what it, <laughs> they wouldn't have done that if it was somebody else. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm mad now. You know, so they they're gonna make her wait now, so they can start the process for her to become a saint. So how, how you know? How, so how long does does she have to wait? Well, they said it had to be five years, according to the statement. Um, they dug her up. A year too early. Yeah, mm -hmm. it says here the body was dug up a year too soon for her to qualify for sainthood. So now, so why did they? So did they do that on purpose? I wonder. I don't know. Do, now, do they have to bury her for another five years before she can qualify? Or? Well, no, no, no. She can qualify in a year. Oh, okay. But but why they? Why didn't they wait? You know what I mean? If they yeah. knew that. If they knew that um, the whole thing was, because obviously this is not the first body they did this with. Because right. if there's a five year, so if there's a five year wait rule, they've done it with other people. It had to be. So they knew the rule. Why they dig her up? Yeah, that, that's crazy. <laughs> now, now I'm a little upset. <laughs> you know. <laughs> They what well you say uh, they, they they did it all well hold on so they're gonna bury her again and then dig her up. Well, they're moving year. her. They're moving her to. They're moving her to a different place. That's the reason supposedly they exhumed her. That's the reason they're given. They exhumed her to move her to this other monastery. So, but did they have to do it at this particular time? Right. It's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, Why not I mean, wait they, the full five years? Right, because now they got to bury her and bring her back up again, right? Or when they well, bury they're her, putting her, they're probably putting her in, in in like a mausoleum type thing. So oh, yeah. they probably won't have to bury her. They're probably going to put her in one of those pull-out type situations, you know. Gotcha. But even still, now, like I said, man, is this a conspiracy or what? <laughs> I don't know. 
Um, yeah, that's, that's crazy to me. Now, 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 because why? If you know that this woman had to, if you knew that this woman had to um, um, wait five years to. Um, had to wait five years to um, to be part of saint to become sainthood. Then why? Why hey, pull her you know, body? I mean, you know, I thought it was an interesting story, but then now I'm looking at the backdrop of it. <laughs> Is it because she was black, Leonard? She did not have the complexion for protection for, for that protection. last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she didn't have the complexion for the sainthood. <laughs> that's what this right. is, so, you know. So I'm wondering about that now. Now, that's something I'm really curious about. I mean, maybe I don't know if other people are thinking the same way I'm thinking. Um, but um, look, it says it says here at the towards the end of the story, it says typically we bury people. We don't exhume them. We don't get to look at them a couple years out. With 100 years, there might be nothing left, but when you got just a few years out, this is not unprotected. So if they don't normally do this, what was the reason for them doing this? The real reason for them doing this? You did not have the complexion, Dave. There it is. <laughs> There's the story, right? It's got to oh, that... be that. Yep, that that's my final answer. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully we'll see more. Look, we we have recently, folks, been getting people to comment on some of the stuff we've been talking about. Actual people who stories we have told. So hopefully we hear a little bit more about this story. You know. So we'll see. But I just wanted to bring that particular story up because I just thought it was interesting. And and yes, if you if you go to the story and you look it up online, you will see that she does not look like she has decayed hardly at all. So after four years. So that also challenges the whole thing dust to dust and how long does it take for somebody to go dust to dust. So right. just wanted to bring that story up. So if you have any thoughts of it make sure to share your thoughts about it okay all right moving on yep dave so the, the next story i thought this was interesting and um i still need more information but um this year spellman has um stated that there will be four valedictorians for their class of 2023 so you know normally it's you know, a valedictorian who has the highest GPA, and then it's a salutatorian who has, you know, the second highest GPA. But this right. year, Spellman is making history. Um, for the fourth time, it will have four graduating valedictorians. Um, their names are Maya Blassingame, Amia Calhoun, Sydney Dupree, and Chandler Nuttall. So um, just a, a quick um, bio about all of them. Game is graduating with a degree in biology, is on a pre-medical journey. She is a member of the Ethel Waddle Githel Honors Program 
Alpha Lambda Delta National Honor Society, Tri Beta Biological Honor Society. I never then knew they had a, a, a biological honor society. And she will be attending medical school in a few months. Um, the next one, Nuttall, uh, now can hang her bachelor's degree next to her George Washington University associate degree. She had been balancing multiple roles. She is also an Ethel Waddle Giddy Honors Scholar, a Spellman Social Justice Program Fellow, and serves as the 81st president of the Spellman Student Government Association. And she got moved to New York for Public Affairs Fellowship before pursuing her goal of becoming a, a, a Juris Doctor degree or a lawyer. The next one, Dupree holds a. What you say? I said, "Good Lord." <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Yeah, they, I, they these women are doing it. Um, the next one, Dupree is a 4.0 student, is a member of the Delta Lambda Honor Society and the executive board of the Brains with Beauty Project. Um, she also works with a nonprofit organization. She started. Um, that was started by a Spelman alumni that equips black girls and young women with tools to accentuate their innate brilliance and beauty. She is currently signed with the Atlanta Forward Agency and would like to use her experience to become a casting director. And then the last one, Maya Phillips is the salutatorian. Okay, so I guess they, which is weird because they said for valedictorians, but the saluted tutorial will be receiving her degree in sociology. She has been a, an example of black excellence as a 2023 women of excellence and leadership program graduate, a Phi Beta Kappa Epsilon of Georgia chapter recently inducted her and Phillips inducted her and her career plans include being a strategy analyst at Deloitte consulting so they these are some women who are definitely doing their things um th their bios were hard to get through and that you know that right there was an abbreviated version but you know i just thought it was interesting that they have four valedictorians for their their class and this is Spellman, y'all this ain't no joke this ain't this ain't no you know this is one of the top hbcus in the country you know, so, um, and um, these girls are doing it, man. I, I'm just listening to the stuff you read. It's like, wow, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I was talking to my oldest son a couple of days ago, and we were talking about, like, this, these, these children that were born um, after 1990, Yes. They're a whole different breed of people. Yeah, they are. They, you know, they, you know, the way they think, uh, you know, and, and a lot of them are all about the dollar and cents, man. They're just looking at the best way they can get this money, man. And, you know, um, and, and, you know, now this is my son who, who's 39, who's talking like, you know, he's my age talking about these young kids, you know, pop. <laughs> It's a whole different breed, man. They just yeah, they just just have a whole different way of looking at the world. They just feel that 
everything should come to them, you know, because they have all the answers, you know, and it's just amazing to me. And when you hear these kind of, when you hear these stats that these girls have, um, you know, it's reading like, it's reading like uh, uh, athlete st- uh, stats when you read their right. stats in a game, something like that. They did this, they did this, they did this, you know, and I'll be like, wow. And then, you know, you figure these companies are are just sitting there waiting on them, you know, to work for them. As co- and and most of these, and these girls are working as consultants, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing to do, and they're paying right. them all this money. I'm I'm sure it's unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. So it's um it's the the craziest thing, um when when it comes to when it's the craziest thing when it comes to this type of stuff. And and you know when we look at these young women and look, I, I saw an article recently about how um, women born in 1990 or or after that have joined the workforce or finished school are making more money than black and these are black women uh, are making more money coming out of school than black men are. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. With the exception of athletes. Yeah, I think that, you know, of you know they and, have a chance to go right into pro sports, you know. So. And Dave, to throw that in, so not only are they making more than black men coming out of school, and we talked about it before, they're graduating at a higher rate, you know. Yeah, or, they are. And they not are. even graduating, they're attending college at a higher rate and then graduating at a higher rate. So, um, Dave, what... So um, what, what what's that one Beyonce say? Um, when she's like, "Who runs the world?" <laughs> Girl. <laughs> and obviously, uh, I mean, there's a there's a what one of those TV shows called "Girls Run, uh, Run the World" or something like that. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, um but that's impressive. Uh, these four young ladies should be um, definitely applauded. Um, Apparently, a lot of hard work, um, of course, a lot of brains, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, yeah. and uh, and also, I know their parents have to be proud. So, um, our salute to each one of you. Keep doing what you're doing. Hey, <laughs> you know, I'm impressed. I, yeah, I'm definitely impressed. So, so. all right. Okay. Well, we go from that <laughs> to something completely different, folks. Uh, came across this story. This just tells you the sign of the times. Um, uh, this story is about Uganda's president signs one of the world's harshest anti-LBTQ um, bills into law. And it says the U.S. is deeply troubled by this. Okay. So this story is about um, Ugandan President um, Uweri. Um, I don't want to mess up his last name. Um, oh, Dave, you're going to mess it up. Yeah. Uganda, I'm just going to say Uganda's president. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> the bill um, was you. I'm going to attempt it. You're weary, Museveni. You, Museveni. You messed it up. See, signs, I told you. 
Yeah, I know. There you go. As signed one of the harshest LBGQ laws in the, the world, uh, in the world, the Speaker of the Parliament said, uh, to um, defy defying international pressure, including from the United States, which said it is deeply troubled with what this bill shows. The bill includes the death penalty. Listen to this stuff, man. The bill includes the death penalty for aggravated homosexuality, which includes sex with a minor, having sex with HIV positive, while HIV positive, and incest. The bill criminalizes sex education for the gay community and makes it illegal not to expose what it calls perpetrators of aggravated homosexuality to the police. It calls for rehabilitation, widely discredited conversation therapy for gay offenders. Um, um, First of all, what do you think about what I just said, any of that that I just said? Um, I mean, so basically it's just taking, I mean, it's basically saying you have no rights. If you get caught doing any of this stuff, it's not going to be good for you. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that um, Africa and the Caribbean, the Caribbean, they have a very, very strong stance against the whole LGBTQ plus movement. So this doesn't necessarily surprise me. Um, but, you know, just what I wonder is, you know, I guess how. Uh, let me try to be politically correct here. How prevalent is gayness in those areas? Like, I, I, I am curious about that. I mean, I guess it's prevalent enough that, they, you know, he's making these rules or trying to prevent it. But um, it it does not surprise me. Yeah, it's, 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 it's rough. Um, and especially in some of these other com- countries, yeah, they do not play when it comes to that whole homosexuality thing. Um, a lot of countries will put you, you know, some countries will put you to death, you know, if they catch you. Right, you know, right, and and, and they, uh, same same with like the Middle East, like the Middle East, you know, very. Uh, I've heard stories and seen articles about, you know, in Middle East, some of those countries too. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's really something. I know I was reading. It says down here we are hopeful that the Constitutional Court will nullify the law. It does not stand any constitutional scrutiny. It goes against the Bill of Rights enshrined in Uganda's own constitution. Ugandans are fighting back. This bill does not reflect our values, um, they say. Now, President uh, Biden chimed in. He said he described the bill in a statement on Monday as a tragic violation of universal human rights. He said that uh, he said he had instructed the National Security Council to evaluate implications of this law on all aspects of the U.S. engagement with Uganda, including our ability to safe, safety, uh, safely deliver services under the U.S. President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief and other forms of assistance and investments. Biden also warned that this administration is considering additional steps, 
including sanctions and restrictions on entry to the U.S. for anyone involved in serious human rights abuses or corruption. So Biden is, you know, Biden is saying that the U.S. definitely is not having having it. And, and, you know, if they find that people are being penalized because of their, you know, their beliefs or their, their you know, uh, how they feel about the, the law or the bill uh, that they have passed, that um, that they definitely will not stand for it, you know. So I just find it amazing that, well, I don't know, we had it happen, what, last year when they told women they can't do what they want with their bodies, right. huh? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, we're in, we're in a different day and time. We really are. And, you know, all these things matter. Um, and if you are living in a country where you can't be the way you want to be or feel the way you want to feel, and it's not that easy for you to leave there, and you find yourself in a situation where, you know, because I'm sure, uh, you know, this affects mostly the younger folks, probably 40 and young, younger, more likely. I'm, I'm just taking a guess. Mm-hmm. Um, here we go with the suicide rate, I'm sure, being increased and all of that type of stuff. So, um, right. you know, the depression and all of this and all, you know, mental illness, you know, this is. This is serious stuff here. You know, this is, this is, you know, if they start taking people's rights away like that, it's not going to be good. It really isn't. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's hard. And, you know, I I think it's hard when America has embraced so much of it. And, you know, uh, I won't say have given freedom and liberties, but, you know, I mean, LGBTQ plus, you know, all that stuff is mainstream now. You know, we see it on TV. We hear it on the radio. It's in cartoons, you know, all that. So, you know, I feel like that is the way the world is going. But, you know, of course, you know, um, you know, Uganda is a is a little bit behind us and. Um, I'm sure those rules are up there now, but I'm sure there's some people who are fighting for those rights. And, you know, so, um, I mean, kind of like we talked about women, like it's a shame to tell people what they can do because of who they are and how they feel. But um, hopefully, you know, it, you know, there's some people to stand up and advocate for themselves there and they can, you know, start gaining an audience and reverse that process so that they can have the same rights everybody else has this is true yeah how about that um you know it's it's something definitely worth watching because i'm sure other countries are watching on how this goes about and you know you know these other countries that may feel the same way that the ugandans do um might follow suit and if, if it's successful there it's going to start spreading and it's going to be a problem. I can guarantee you it's going to be a problem. So Right. And Dave, yeah. I don't know if you remember, I can't, I can't remember what country in Africa it was, 
But there was one country in Africa that put something out a couple months ago saying that, and and I, I know I'm a little bit off, but it basically they will not, oh man, I feel like it was something with the modeling in, industry. They said in any of their advertising in the country, you can only use black models. Does that ring a bell to you? Mm. No, I don't remember that. Okay. Yeah, they, they can only use black models. Was that the one that had the? Yeah, I think there was a picture of a black model. We were talking about it. Um, yeah, and they, it was dark skin. It was a dark skin model, right? Oh, in fact, here it is, right here. I, I'll just read the headline. It says Nigeria becomes the first country to officially ban the use of white models in advertising. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Craziness. Well, well, that, hey, I mean, you figure in Nigeria, why not use models that look like them as opposed to using, I mean, you know, on Instagram, we all know there's models on Instagram. Right. And if you know, you ever noticed the African model? Which one? Well, I'm just saying, when they show African mod, like there's a couple I've noticed that do, um, there's a couple that have their own clothing line, a couple of um, 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 African clothing lines. And I just noticed that they only use African models. They don't use any other yeah. models. A lot of You know? Yeah, and they, you know, and that, you know, if you're selling to a certain demographic, why use somebody that doesn't look like you? Right. Or whose clothes are not going to fit the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, uh, so, I, you know, actually, that's, that's, that's good. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. That's, that's cool. So, yeah. But let's let's keep an eye on what happens um because when they start dictating when they start putting out laws like this folks about how you can what you can do and you know you know they start talking about how you can feel about certain things and um you know and then you have to start reacting and paying attention because you're start to live in fear because you feel something's going to happen to you that's not good and we need to we need to try to pay attention to what's going on in the world so that it doesn't become you know dictatorship because that's basically what that is a dictatorship right there so yeah okay all right uh okay yep so they this kind of rolls into the next story and i saw this this was on um uh, and post and it says more black men are dying by suicide it says black youth have seen the fastest rising suicide suicide rates among any ethnic group in the last 20 years, with suicide among black male youth rising 60 percent in that period. And the article, it starts with, and Dave, you're probably familiar, more familiar with I am, but it starts with saying on May 3rd of this year, Lance Banks, a retired NBA player, who spent the remainder of his life um, as a career uh, career as an NBA executive and an analyst for ESPN um, died by suicide. He was 56 years old. Um, 
his family basically says that, um, you know, they they're not exactly sure why he committed suicide, but they just try to remember him in a good way, honor him, celebrate him. And it says that he is the highest profile black male celebrity to have died by suicide since um, the the uh, the singer, dancer, um, I guess, DJ Twitch from the Ellen show. And, you know, the, the article, you know, it, it talks a lot, a lot about different things. Um, and it, it actually says that uh, suicide among black men is underrepresented. And it says it a lot because of racism, um, because of racism. You know, a lot of the numbers regarding the actual suicide rate for black men are, are not correct. And so, I mean, you know, re reading the article is just kind of sad. So, you know, it mentions about a lot of men, black men struggling with mental health. It talks about black men not always having a great support system. You know, those people close to talk to. Um, it talks about black men not getting counseling. It talks about black men. And um, to be honest, Dave, just the pressures of being a black man or being a black father, you know, and, you know, this article, you know, it, it kind of ends with saying, you know, black men, this is not your fault. You know, it's important to understand that, you know, you are you without expectation. And Dave, you know, of course, I know you're a psychology major and you know, we, we've talked about this before, especially with uh, Twitch. But, you know, what are some of the reasons why you think, you know, black men are struggling and they may find suicide as the only option? Well, I mean, part of it has to deal with um, finances. Uh, a lot of them are not where they want to be financially. And they they find themselves um, you know, not being able to do what they want to do and and being able to live the type of lives that they want to live. A lot of them um, that have had, that have committed suicide have had relationship issues, either with their parents, sure. um, with their friends or loved ones. Um, you know, I, I saw something recently about a guy that committed suicide because he had a private life. He didn't want to come out because of he, he had in his community he was well looked up to and he had a uh, big name in the community and so forth. And he. Uh, <laughs> it was about to come out that he was gay and he took his life because he didn't want it to come out. So when you look at these type of things, and of course, depression, I mean, you know, depression is, is definitely big. Um, it is something that is definitely prevalent. Um, it's, it's just hard to cope um, in, in today's world, you know, if you're not producing. And if you're a person that's not producing, then why be here? That's what people look at. Um, you know, now a lot of these instances, it, it just takes a moment for that person to have someone who's willing to listen to them. But if you're 
if if you don't have that person in your life that you can talk to, or if you're not willing to talk, then what's the alternative? And this is what the alternative right. is in for a lot of people. You know, um, you know, I see in that article that you were just talking about. They even mentioned um, Regina King, the actress, her son. They mentioned his name in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, did you figure somebody like her? And apparently her and her son supposedly had a great relationship. So, you know, you know, she was definitely devastated when, when, um, that happened. It was just something that, um, she never saw come. So this tells you a lot about where we are and, you know, that mental illness is definitely real. And if you're not careful and you're not paying attention, then you definitely will um, probably deal with it in some kind of form, um, you know, um, or read about it, you know, because we've had a lot of people to take their lives over, especially during the pandemic. Remember, we were doing a lot of stories on people that was committed suicide, right? Yeah. 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 You know, so, you know, of course, you know, a lot, that's a whole different form of depression, you know, because it was, you know, the pandemic really, really hurt some people mentally. It really did. So, um, I mean, that's just my thoughts on, on, on the whole thing. I mean, you know, there's so many reasons why a person would want to commit suicide, but I just think it's a lot of it is just the pressures of the day. I'll tell you, and I keep saying this over and over thing, over again, you know, even though that guy was 56 years old, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, young, young. But he was still mm-hmm. young, if you follow. Right. Yeah. Um, there's so much out there, you know, when it comes to, excuse me, when it comes to um, the pressures of being able to perform and deliver. And maybe he was having some issues with that. I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, Dave, that almost made me think, and, and we talked about it a couple times, but. There have been, you know, some black women who seem like they have everything going on that also committed suicide. You remember we talked about the one who was a a beauty pageant former Miss USA. Or oh yeah, former, yeah. No, and, and jumped she, off the building. Yep, or something. yep. Yeah. And, and jumped yeah. off the building. And you know, so it's just you know, it's it, it's and 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 she was fairly young, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I think you know, you know, I I think it's just so weird how. Um, things happen and you know we look at people we think they have it all together but you know unfortunately behind closed doors they're they're struggling with you know different issues and um and uh, and that they I mean, feel like that no, there was no, look there was no bigger proof of that than when twitch died because nobody saw that coming and for those of us that have you know that are on tiktok and instagram and you know of course the, the the generous show when it was on, this guy was everywhere. And he always had a smile on his face. You know, he'd always be with his family. You know, when he wasn't on Ellen, he was dancing with his family. It just looked like he had it all together. But I think in uh, when we covered his story, there was a comment that says something like, don't always look at the smile look behind it right i think that was that was the comment you know 
So somebody smiling in your face every day, that doesn't mean that they have it all together. There's some other stuff that's probably going on. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know what? And, and, you know, I think it's hard too, Dave, because so like I, I'll just say like time when I'm depressed and maybe not going through depression, but just depressed, you know, I I just stick to myself. They, you know, I I may not answer no phone calls, no messages, no. Oh yeah, messages. I know, folks. <laughs> I know, I know people. He won't but, answer the door. I live around the street from him. He won't answer the door. He won't answer. Oh, you, anything. Now, now, Dave, you ain't tell Dave I'm not. Look, <laughs> look, I be hearing him. Ain't never be hearing the door. Tell Dave, tell Dave, tell Dave, I'm not here. <laughs> That's what he be saying, y'all. So, but anyway, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but um. So and and I'm sure a lot of people when they're depressed, sad, maybe even busy, feeling a certain way, and and I'll, I'll say for me, like, I, like, I will not reach out, you know. So I'll say, Dave, one thing about our relationship, you know, I appreciate Dave because Dave Dave always checks in on like if he don't hear from me, now now he ain't knocked on the door, but you know he'll check <laughs> in on, <me>. yeah, <laughs> but. But you know, oh my goodness, our, our dog's <laughs> little, but you know, you, you know, they and, and you know, and and I can probably count on one hand the people that you know, if, if I'm quiet, you know, they check in on me, and you know, I appreciate that, but you know, I think maybe you know, there's probably some people like I always hear people talk about they don't have any real friends, yeah. which, you know, which is which is sad and I'm sure true, but you know, um. You know, hopefully everyone can find that one person who, you know, truly appreciates them, cares about them, that that does check in all times like that. But, you know, the other thing I always get sad about hearing and, you know, for some of our seniors out there where we hear, oh, you know, so and so, you know, they went in their apartment and they found them dead and they've been dead for about, you know, three weeks. Nobody had even checked on them, called, on, you know, like they didn't have that person in their life to, um you know, have a direct connection with them enough that they check on them. And when they went missing or unheard of, you know, no one even knew. So. Well, well let me, let me say this real quick. And, and it's funny that you just said all of that because last week I was looking through, uh, I was looking online, I'm looking for a particular obituary of a friend who I heard just passed. Now, I was just looking to see when their services were going to be and all that stuff. So, as I'm going through, and and I don't know, do, do you do you? Well, you probably don't look at obituaries, do you? No, or, I don't. You know, from time to time. Okay, because sometimes this is this is the way, like you just said, this is how you know if somebody's still here or not. Sometimes, you know. Um, but anyway, I'm looking for this obituary for this friend of mine, and I come across obituary of somebody that I've known since he was, you know, in elementary school. Him and my sister are the same age and they used to date when they were kids and they've always stayed in touch with each other. But the you know, he he um in his latter years he had some health issues and my sister was a nurse at one time. Um so she used to always keep in touch with him. Like he was she was probably Outside his family, the only person that really, really would spend time talking to him or whatever. But he, he was definitely in a bad place mentally because he was just angry at the world because he couldn't walk anymore. 
these right. type of things. And, you know, he just was an angry person. But my sister would always talk to him, and she would talk to him until he would drive her crazy so she would hang up. But, he, you know, he always knew that she was going to be there for him, always has been. So I'm looking through the obituaries, and I see this guy's obituary in the thing. This was like uh, like Wednesday last week, I think it was, Wednesday. So I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, my God, I said, my sister didn't tell me his name's Keith. My sister didn't tell me that Keith died, you know. And I'm, you know, and I'm like, I'm surprised about that because I'm sure she would have said something, right? Right. So I, I hurried up and hit her up, and I said, "Why didn't you tell me that Keith died?" And she said, "What are you talking about?" And I said, "Keith died." And she said, "No." Now, I had read the obituary. I go through the obituary, and you know how an obituary usually finishes up. It'll say something, and you know it'll say leaving to, you know, um, you know, leaving behind, you know, this person, this person, and and then it says and cherished good friends, and it had my sister's name in the obituary as a cherished mm. friend. Oh wow! Right, and I said, wait, hold on. Then I look at the date for the funeral. The funeral had already happened. Yeah, the, a few days before. And when I talked to my sister, I said, get this, you're in the obituary, you didn't know, and it already happened. So she was pretty upset about it, you know, because she didn't know. But then she said something that made, you know, that just really tripped me out. She said, you know, he used to always tell me this. He said, I will probably die, and you would never know. Wow. And it happened. He died, he was buried, and he and she never knew a thing about it. And and she said, well, well, your sister has my number. Your sister would tell me and whatever. They put her in the obituary, Leonard, and didn't tell her. And she never knew. Wow. And if it hadn't been for me seeing it in the obituary, she probably wouldn't have known that. Right. You know, but that's this is the type of thing when you talk about friends. That's why there's certain people I always check on. I'm always going to check on you because, you know, um, you know, we've always been close and I, you know, I appreciate you. And I definitely, I know, I know that, you know, I know you're a busy guy from time to time, but I always want to make sure you're all right. Um, and there's a few other people I do that with, you know, because I understand. Um, this is, this is a crazy day and time for us mentally and physically. And it is. It's, it's really different out here now. Um, and after going through that pandemic and seeing how, the world can get shut down like that. You definitely right. need to check on people. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I also think about it too. Um, one thing I hear is that entrepreneurs have a higher suicide rate than non-entrepreneurs, and and I get it because they you talk about finances. You know, yeah. I have not. You know, um, get, getting a paycheck every Friday or every other Friday or the first and the fifteenth. There's some security in that. You know, and uh, not getting a paycheck until you happen to luck upon it, work for it, you know, get rewarded or commissioned with it, um, does cause a lot of a lot of stress too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. And uh, so that's a rough what I'm world saying. out yeah, here. That financial, that financial piece ain't no joke either. You oh, know, oh, yeah, you could yeah. be the richest, you could be the richest person in the world. Yeah, but you can also be you could be the loneliest richest person in the yeah. world. I mean, you look at Tina Turner. We just lost Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. And when you read how sick she was and, you know, how she hadn't been taking care of herself, 
and all of that stuff, all, all that money in the world doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, if you're not here to enjoy it. I mean, she was worth over $250 million when she died. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I believe it. Yeah. So, but, you know, just pay attention, folks. If there's warning signs, if you see people and they're acting differently or something doesn't seem quite right or things are off, you need to pay attention. Um, you know, because it's probably something really wrong. It probably is. So just pay attention. All right. Moving on to our next story. <laughs> this is, is, is ratchet time. So we're going we're gonna to do a little oh, bit Lord. of ratchetness right now. <laughs> so I, I heard the story of Amanda Seals was talking about this on the radio the other day. And, I, and so I, I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, so basketball-wise, British Williams pleads guilty to 15 felonies, including nearly $150,000 in fraud. Now, for those of you who who not sure who she is, she's um, she uh, is uh, one of the basketball wives, and it says uh, she admitted to bank fraud, misusing Social Security numbers, sending fake bills for insurance payments, and lying on federal loan applications. British is scheduled to be sentenced on um, August the 23rd. Um, In 2021, federal prosecutors said that she, she, they discovered that the reality star um, had submitted false information on her tax returns for many years. They claimed false statements were made on her tax return from 2016 to 2019, stating her business only grossed 15000 when, in fact, it generated hundreds of thousands of dollars per mm-hmm. year. In addition, the reality star falsely claimed two children as dependents. Oh, of course, that's, you know, uh, we've been hearing about that for years, you know. Oh, so. uh, yeah. That's a red flag uh, right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, during the pandemic, the mother of one... Uh, submitted applications to receive COVID-19 relief funds with incorrect information about payroll income and her criminal past. Britta's got a big bag from this alleged scan that produced roughly $197,000. She also used fake medical bills along with other nameless co-conspirators um, to get $139,480 payout from an insurance company this girl was not playing, man. Um, in 2021, the business owner submitted another false application as she filmed a TV show in California. The show paid her $4,000 a month for rent, and she was supposed to use the funds to pay her her uh, $3,803 to the landlord, but instead kept the money and applied for rent relief in the state claiming a reduction in work hours. She was not playing, man. She wasn't. Uh, They said prosecutors asserted she cast a check for $27,000 from California rent relief in in a St. Louis bank. Um, She spent her, she she shared her time between California and St. Louis. So she split her time. So now she did say this was her statement. 
that says anything that I went through that a normal person would go through privately, I went through publicly. I hope my story, journey, and my growth can help someone who is putting who is going through something similar or stops the next person from doing anything that could possibly have them in the same situation as me. She continued, I am not ashamed. I am not phased by comments nor opinions. I am proud. I'm a proud woman and mother uh, of the proud woman and mother I am today. Everything I've been through, I've needed to go through. I've learned patience, humility, and most of all, compassion from every walks of life. I don't believe in losses, just lessons to make better decisions in the future. Love you, and thanks for rocking with me. Okay. All right. Well, that's nice. Sounds cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they said she's facing like 30 years. Damn. Yeah. 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 30 <laughs> years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Uh, she wasn't playing. She was she was getting all the money, man. And but I'm sure that um now they said there was co conspirators too, so I'm sure there's other people oh, yeah. that were involved. Yeah. But, you know, right now she's getting she's holding the bag right now and, and you know, so um you know, when you're a celebrity and you get caught up because we we've, we've heard a few stories about celebrities getting caught up during the pandemic getting these loans and these PBD loans and all this other stuff that was going on out there and thinking that they were going to be able to go out there. Um, I forget who the celebrity was. They were claiming they had 20 people to work for them and they did have 20 people to work for them and got a bunch of money. And, and uh, um, I think they only had a uh, um, assistant and that was it. And, and they got all this money and, you know, of course, um, they get they pour somebody's squealed on them and say, Hey, look, yeah, that person didn't have all this. Yeah. You know, because all you got to do is tell somebody, no, I ain't giving you no money. And that's yeah. it. They're yeah. going to tell. They, they, you they know, snitch it. The, look, look, I'll be on the phone. Uh, TMZ, how much money are you going to give me for this? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, because that's what it is, man. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't think you're going to get away with stuff like that. First of all, your favorite statement says you got to be the right what? Dave, you got to have the complexion for protection. There you go. And, you know, um, even even with the whole thing with the big scandal with the school stuff with, uh, you know, the, the, the celebrities that um, falsify, you know, documents and work with that guy to get their kids in school. Mm -hmm. They didn't. You know, they still working and making movies and stuff like that, you know. So um, even though, you know, a couple of them did a little, a few months in jail, whatever the case may be. Uh, oh, yeah. Still, they, they, yeah, they, yeah, they, 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 they back already, at it. You know? Yeah, they back at it. I mean, the 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 um, two, the um couple that went to jail on um, the Housewives show, they did their time. They back making money again, you know. Hold on. What, hold on. on the Gadesis. Oh. The Gadesis. Yeah. Oh yeah. Joe, yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember, yeah, both yeah. of them went to. New, yeah, New they Jersey both went one. to jail. Yeah. They both went to jail. Came out still making money. You know. Right. So, um, it's it is what it is, man. Um, uh, I hope everything works out for it. But uh, I think you're gonna be spending some time in jail. It looks like you know, and hopefully, uh, that statement that she made. I mean, I, I see where she. 
she 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 didn't admit to get doing some, anything wrong, but it sounds like she knows she did something wrong. Yeah, so, she did. Yeah. So, but I just wanted to bring that story up. Um, you know, like I said, I heard Amanda Seals talking about it the other day. She had me cracking up talking about it. it seems like, uh, do you have any of that money buried? I mean, can, can you let me know where it is? <laughs> you know, that's what Amanda Seals was saying. So. But anyway, um, that's it on that story. That's our ratchet corner for today. Uh, so um, moving on to our final installment of the show today, which is Leonard's favorite um, spot. Dave's Corner. Um, let's see. Today's question. Um, what is the three hardest decisions that you've had to make in your life so far? So one and two are easy. Well, I'm sorry. I'm, they came to me easy. Number three is, was a little different. So the one of the most major decisions I had to make was um, leaving my job in 2008. So I I was recently married for the first time, recently married. I was working at a like a corporate job. I hated it. I had just started my business. DelawareBlack.com. And to be honest, Dave, I, I was really probably stupid because now I think back of it, you know, but I just felt like I had to leave. And I think hating my job was a, you know, that, that kind of propelled me too. Yeah, that, that does it. <laughs> yeah. And um, that was the biggest decision because I think right after I left my job, I found out that my wife at that time was pregnant. So now it's like, oh my goodness, like I left, she's pregnant, money, you know, money, 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 lack of money, lack of money, lack of money. So that was probably a very big decision. And I can say um, she wasn't exactly happy with it. You know, it, 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 we kind of made it do what it did, but um that was definitely one of the biggest decisions. And now I look back, I don't know if it was the smartest one, but Dave, I'm, I'm here now. So, you know, it is what it is. Okay. Um, my second biggest one was, and this is one I should have reconsidered, was leaving Tallahassee, Florida, coming back to Wilmington, Delaware. And I say that because when I graduated, um, so when I graduated, well, so I'm Dave. I'm not sure, like, if it was like this at University of Delaware when you went there, but at some of these other schools, when you are not from the immediate area, and 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 it's not a major city, you are excited to leave that city. You know, you always feel like, oh, there ain't nothing to do here. I can't wait to go. I'm gonna go somewhere else. So. Um, when I graduated, I did not have a job. In fact, I, I like telling this: I didn't have a job. I didn't have a girl. Well, okay, well, never mind. We'll, we'll leave that one out. <laughs> but, Dave, I didn't have a, a job. So I moved back to Delaware. No job. No friends. Because, you know, Dave, I'm 
it, like if I don't see people on a regular, I'm not good at keeping in touch with them like that. So no job, no friends. When when I moved back home, now I did not have a girl at home, and I was living in, in, with my parents. Um, when the alternative could have been, um, I was offered a job with this engineering company that I did kind of like an internship with in college. It probably would have paid great money. You know, I could have stayed down there, fam. You partied, had fun. You know, work. You know, work part time, all that stuff. Or I could have um, gone to Atlanta. I could have gone to Orlando. You know, those were two places I wanted to go: Atlanta and Orlando. You know, but I came back to Delaware, and I, I always questioned that decision. Um, so I mean, that that was a hard decision. Um, as far as the third one. Well, you wouldn't and, have met me at that. And then, then you wouldn't have met me. That would have been, you know, that would have been the worst decision of your life. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the third decision was um, after my mother died, passed away, um, and the school I was working at, they were kind of transitioning down. I had the opportunity to work at another school in Newark, New Jersey, which is, you know, about two hours away. And that would really require me to be away from here. And even though my wife and I, I think, were divorced at the time, my kids were here and I was used to seeing them every day. Um, so I would go up there Monday through Friday, come home on the weekends. And um, I did that for about nine months to a year. And I mean, that was a hard decision to make because, you know, my kids were young and now that they're teenagers and they don't want to have anything to do with their parents, um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I feel like I missed some missed of that. Out, you, missed that on, you missed that on the good time. Yeah. You know, like the age where, you know, you can pick them up and, you know, they want to spend time with you. They want to walk and hold your hand. They want to, you know what I mean? Now it's like, they just want to be in their room, play games, video games and be on the, the computer. So those were probably the three toughest decisions. Now, yeah. Yeah, every now and then have a conversation, right? Yeah, every now and then. Uh, about yeah. what are we what are we eating? Where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you got some any money? money? You got any money? Yeah, uh, yes, exactly. there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, well those are those are some tough decisions there, man. You, you you yeah. Um but then, you know, you gotta look at the flip side. Look what happened because of those decisions. So, yeah, yeah. Man, look where you are. I mean, um, uh, those decisions you made put you where you are now. Uh, you know, do you think do you think you you're good right now? Based um, on those decisions, I don't know because you know it's like you know how it is. I mean, money's not everything. Objects not everything. But you know, sometimes the time that you miss, you know, yeah. you know that that that's, that can always stick with you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, I'll go through mine real quick. Um, my first one had to deal with um, <laughs> you. You mentioned the you mentioned the the whole thing with your wife, your first wife being pregnant, and you know quitting <laughs> your job and everything. My right. first one has to do with pregnancy too. Um, um, finding out that. Um, my first wife, um, was pregnant right around the same time we found out that she was about to be deported. 
Uh, what? Dang, I never yeah, heard yeah. this story. Uh, yeah, I thought I told you this before. Uh, yeah, um, we wasn't married at the time, at, at, at first, but that's where mm-hmm. the decision comes in. Uh, found out she got a letter talking. She's from uh, Barbados, and so she got a letter from immigration saying she had to go to immigration. Uh, her green card had expired, which she knew. She knew her green card had expired back then. They didn't play with these green cards back then. So, um, so she um, went to Philadelphia to the immigration office, and they start talking to her. You need to get your green card updated by such and such a time, or we're going to deport you. You know, or you need to get a visa, or you know, her visa had expired too. That was another thing too. So she had to get this paperwork straightened out, or they would get ready to deport her. Right. And she had thirty days, thirty days to get all this done. Oh. She comes back home and she tells me and so forth. A uh, couple days later, we find out she's pregnant. And I was like, oh man, you know. And back then, you know, if you know the laws were very stringent. If but if she got deported and she had the baby out, you know, in Barbados, then it would have been a mandatory five year wait before they can even. Um, she could even think about bringing the baby to the United States, the child to the United States. Right. Um, so going through all this, you know, we're talking, her parents are in my ear about the, <laughs> uh, about marrying her. You know, my, I couldn't even talk to my mom. My mom wasn't hearing it. I didn't say anything about it. She knew she was pregnant, but she didn't know about the immigration stuff. You know? Right. Right. So to make a long story short, we ended up getting married on a QT down in Maryland at the Justice of the Peace. My mom didn't know. Her mm. parents knew. Her mother, her parents were there as witnesses. Uh, we got married. Now, keep in mind, this is this is, the story is even crazier because we lived on the same street, Leonard, four doors away from each other. So her house was four doors away from mine. And we were always back and forth over each other's house. So we get married. A week after we got married, we had to go up to Philadelphia to the immigration's office. I went with her. We told them we were married. They they said, well, did you get married just to stay in the country? And she said, no, we had been talking about getting married for a long time. And we're lying our butts off you know, <laughs> right <laughs> up there. So they said, well, we're going to we're going to have to do an investigation. Leonard, they sent people out into our neighborhood to knock on doors. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Yes, they they, they serious. Yeah. Yeah. They were not playing. Now, of course, thank thank God, the people that we thought they were going to talk to. They did talk to those people and they knew the story and they helped gotcha. us out. You know what I mean? <laughs> the only door I didn't want them to knock on was mine because my or, mom did not know. Yes, exactly. Keep in mind, she didn't know the whole time. So my sister, my mom did not know that I had gotten married. And we did that because my mom would have tried to talk talk me out of it. Of course, she would have. And then she would have had a lot of negative to say about the whole thing because we were 19 years old, Leonard. Both of us were 19 at the time. Right. So, so fast forward. We, we clear the whole immigration thing. Everything g- gets pushed through. Everything's fine. Uh, 
I'm married six months. My mom still don't know the letter. And somebody tells my mom, one of my cousins who knew a friend of my wife, uh-huh. that the friend of my wife told her that I was married to, to my to my first wife. And she's telling my mom, my, my mom's niece is telling, David's married, David's married. And my mom said, he ain't married. <laughs> you know? and my mom kept asking me if I was married. I lied to my mom like Peter. Oh. Oh. I lied to her like twice. And the third time I finally came clean, man, I said I was married. Man, I broke my mom's heart, man. I did. Oh, no. She was so upset. Oh, sure. But it all turned out to be for the good because my daughter was able to be raised here. Her and my mom were so very close. And, you know, it just it yeah. turned out everything worked out for, for the good. So that was the first decision. That was a big one. That was probably the biggest decision I've ever had to make in my life, to be honest with you. Second one was when I got married the second time. Um, they, she they, and I, uh, same thing. She got pregnant, deported, and no, 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 no. It's funny when I wanted to get married, she didn't want to get married, and then when she wanted to get married, I didn't want to get married. We had been together for a while, you know, and then this one day we were having this conversation, and you know, we just, it looked like a Disney movie. You know how Disney characters look at each other when they fall in love? Right. And we just said, we just looked at each other and said, let's do it. Ended up back at that same place I got married at before in Maryland. Oh, my goodness. At the Justice of the Peace. And I got married again, man, down there at Justice of the Peace. Uh, so that was the second one. Uh, yeah, now, okay, tell us about the third one. Uh, the third one. Oh, I was just joking. Okay, Dave. No, there was a third one. There was oh, a third one. The third, third one. The was... third marriage. Okay, all right. Tell us about oh, the no, third no, marriage. Oh no, no, not a third <laughs> marriage, man. No, 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 no. Uh, the last one, the last big decision I made had to do with um getting um splitting up from that particular wife, that second wife. Uh, it was a very hard decision, man, and going our separate ways. It really, you know, we had a we had had twenty three years together, and it was uh, it was really it was really hard. My youngest son was five years old at the time, but I stayed very present. You know, um, I tried to make the transition as easy as possible. Um, it did have some it did have some repercussions as far as the older kids were concerned, but the, you know, try to keep things as normal as possible for the young, for the youngest child. Um, you know, um, we have a, you know, we have a good, a very good relationship, you know, as far as, you know, friends or whatever the case may be, but yeah, that, that was, that was a big step. Um, when we decided to call it quits. Yeah. So um, all, yeah. All, always a tough one. Yeah, so those are my three right there, man. I tell you, whew, it, it, it was it was a lot going on in all three of them. Believe me, I tell mm-hmm. you. So, I'm yeah, sure. so those are the three biggest decisions I had to make. So, so everyone that's listening, tell us about your three biggest decisions that you had to make in your life. Um, you know, feel free to put it on our newsandtrend.com webpage. Of course, you know. Um, you can hit us up on our Facebook or any of our other pages and, or of course, do what you normally do. You reach out to me or, you know, Leonard, or uh, if you have comments and, and we can definitely, uh, 
share them if you want us to share them on the air. So that's tonight's show. And we want to thank you guys for listening. Um, Lynn, you got anything you want to add uh, before we sign off? No, Dave, just the regular. Be safe. Catch us next week. Or I'm sorry, catch us this week, Friday. <laughs> he tried. Look, he, he, see what he did there, folks? Okay, no comment. And um, um, party down at the GNR Gun, uh, Gun and Rod Club soon. Um, Ooh, okay, yes. just keep that in mind. Yeah. All, all everything on Leonard. Um, okay, guys. Um, thank you for uh, spending the time again with us. Um, um, please remember those vets that fought for us. And um, thank you again. We'll talk to you soon on Friday. All right. Take care. next week, ladies and gentlemen, for another edition of News and Trends with your hosts, Dave and Lynn.